Hush your wish, it's the wee man, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone, and welcome to this a special interview with Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Derek Kernahan, and today I'm joined by one of ICW's favourite sons. It's Neil Batchby's, a.k.a. The Wee Man. How are you? Good man, how are you? Yeah, good man. Thank you very much for this. Thanks for having me. Aye, great. So, we'll just crack on, shall we? Sure. Um, first question is, what got you into wrestling? Why did you like wrestling? I mean, I've liked wrestling for pretty much as long as I can remember. Um, right from when I was a wee boy, I have like vague memories of being at my grand's house. And at the time, I don't think WWF, as it was called at the time, of course, was on TV in Britain whatsoever. I don't think it was on Sky. I think cable was very rare at that point. I mean, I'm kind of showing my age here, obviously, but... <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of remember, I've got vague memories anyway of, it was my big brother, David, his pal had family down in Wales, <laughs> and they were one of the few people in the country at the time who had a cable connection, so they would make VHS tapes, and he'd, he'd like bring them up. So like I strongly remember watching like really old Royal Rumbles, probably some of the first Royal Rumbles. It's the Royal Rumbles particularly that kind of stick in my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean, like every kid at the time, just like well into Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, latterly. And I guess after that, I kind of, because, didn't have that much access to it. I never had Sky TV or cable or anything. Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to see it that much outside of the kind of screeny VHS tapes. <laughs> so kind of, kind of fell away for a wee bit. As I um, still when I was a kid, but I remember at the time just after that, it started becoming big in Britain. I guess it must have got this Sky TV must have been more available at the time. So I remember in primary school actually, all my friends suddenly been into it after I was into it. Like yeah. at the time, I was trying to talk to you know my friends about wrestling and nobody knew what I was talking about I remember it well actually this is quite a obscure bit of trivia but Gremlins 2 the new batch yep right uh, so when that came out initially so you watch it now and there's that strange cameo bit from Hulk Hogan yeah. in the cinema but I remember when it came out in Britain originally they actually cut that bit with Hulk Hogan and replaced it with like archive footage of John Wayne really? yeah like the Gremlins uh, went into like an old western and started interacting with like, archive footage of John Wayne, like, kind of Forrest Gump style, using old footage with the Gremlins. <laughs> and I remember at the time being like offended by that because it was like they they cut that out in Britain because nobody knew who Hulk Hogan was. Yeah. So the joke wouldn't land with the kids, and I was insulted because I was like, I know how <laughs> Hulk Hogan is. How dare you? Um, I've noticed since it's been on TV like since then, every time it's the Hulk Hogan like edit of it and stuff. But at the time, so I kind of fell away from it just because I didn't have access to it. And then I started getting more and more into it, particularly getting at my kind of teenage years, obviously when the Attitude Era yeah. kind of started up. And again, I still didn't have, <laughs> I never had Sky or anything, cable or anything like that, uh, growing up. I didn't even have a VCR in my house uh, <laughs> until I was much older than all my pals that had VCRs. That was an embarrassing <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, thing to learn in school. But, um, uh, yeah, I kind of fell back into it like head first around about the time of the Attitude Era and just, it just never left me. It just became known by that time I'm in high school and I became known for being obsessive about it just like very suddenly as well, having kind of not seen much of it for a few years previously and then just, it was, it was all I thought about and talked about. <laughs> to the point where like at first, like uh, most of my friends were into the kind of Attitude Era, you know, it was like the Rise of the Rock and stuff. Yeah. And, Austin being crazy over and stuff and um, but they kind of gradually I guess fell away from it and stuff and, uh, whereas I was just stuck uh, 
to it. I was just like, it was, it was, I was addicted by that point, and like the addictions never left me since. I remember actually my kind of high school kind of yearbook. I guess must have been the year that I was leaving. Where I, I was one of the not to brag, but I was one of the kind of <laughs> vice captains of the house. Kind yeah, of yeah. There different houses in the school, and I was one of the kind of vice captains. There was prefects and stuff. So there was a page where other prefects like wrote a wee bio about each other, which was they were all kind of quite cheeky and stuff. But my pal uh, Widget, we called him Ian. His bio for me was like one line. He was like, Neil loves wrestling. He only loves wrestling, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my life summed up there. Uh, that's, that's class. So, obviously we know you from um, ICW. How did you get involved in ICW? And also, how did you develop the character of the wee man? Uh, well, I guess, I'm going to get into that a wee bit after, but like the character of the wee man in ICWs started off as, you know, concurrent, like very... Uh, somewhat like kind of the character the way it'd been developed uh, on like YouTube and on stage and stuff but then strangely kind of splintered off into the alternative universe of <laughs> like pro wrestling at ICW and became something very different in more recent years of course but naturally I get involved in wrestling and there was a kind of roundabout set of circumstances I was up with my friends watching a I think a Royal Rumble or a Wrestlemania I think it might have been a Royal Rumble I'm going to say 2006 would it like around about 2008, nine? That makes sense, 2009. Around about that kind of time period, anyway. Um, up in, you know, where was it? It was a place on the Chalky Hill Street. Was it the Sports Cafe? Yeah. Yeah, Sports Cafe used to, they used to show do the pay per views, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't aware at the time, but we went to watch the pay per view upstairs on the big screen. But I didn't realise that they were putting on a kind of wrestling show downstairs in a room that frankly the ceiling was too low to have a wrestling <laughs> joint but um, nonetheless they did their best and like I, I was stood there watching it going like I'm being kind of relatively aware that there was you know wrestling in Scotland and stuff but I'd never seen it that much in person actually no, that, now that I'm thinking about it that's uh, kind of not entirely true uh, one of my pals that I grew up with in school Alan Love called Lovey uh, he started wrestling he started wrestling training uh, I remember going to a bunch of his early shows Back in the day, it would have been prior to that. In a variety of kind of venues, I'm sure like a like a, a gym hall in East Kilbride, and then strangely like a trainee show and like a barn. Like I swear it was just, <laughs> just like this barn with no electricity as far as I can remember in the middle of an industrial street. It was very, that was quite a strange experience that one. But So I'd seen a, a couple of his shows initially, and I, so I remember well actually watching Drew Galloway at the time as like a 17-year-old coming in and just being like his charisma was just off the scale he did like uh, Boddington and his manager at the time and he did this kind of kind of Lothario gimmick where he was trying to like sleaze about like a couple of the kind of like mums in the audience and stuff who <laughs> were getting right wound up like it really sticks in my mind so I had I had seen wrestling kind of locally and stuff amongst other kind of shows like you get some of the kind of tribute shows you get two yeah. of shows that are like oh so, so and so as The Undertaker yeah. so I'd seen a bunch of that as well but it was this experience in that the sports cafe where I actually kind of made contact with them a little bit I had I had met a couple of folk involved just uh, briefly just not in wrestling but just out kind of clubbing and whatnot. and um, so I recognised them and I kind of got talking to them that way off the back of that it was Charles Boddington I think got in touch with me to now how did it what way did it come out he got in touch with me he was wanting me to get involved in some show or another and then around about the same time a comedy promoter knew so I went and trained at that point. I went and trained a little bit with Kid Fight. Right, okay. At the time, and uh, like Andy Wilde and stuff were helping him train and stuff. So I did, uh, we, I did like, a wee bit of training, like one, one kind of day 
of it, me and my brother went and trained, but it was in the run-up to a thing we were going to do. So it was a charity boxing match in Knightswood, British Legion. And the comedy promoter, strangely running it, as a kind of charity night. So it was Tommy Sheridan boxing the janitor of a school to right. raise funds for the school. And so because they had the boxing ring there, the comedy promoter thought, oh, like the wee man, he's getting into wrestling and whatnot. Why don't uh, we organise some kind of wrestling exhibition? So it ended up with a tag team match. This is my first into wrestling uh, live. And my, it was in a tag team match. Me and my brother versus uh, Kid Fight and Liam Thompson and the uh, Fight Club. So talk about going in at the deep end and learning the hard way because like a boxing ring has no give whatsoever. <laughs> and as the kind of smallest guy in the match, and we were playing the heels as well, uh, I got the shit kicked out of me that day. I got repeatedly slammed into, the, into this hard, hard boxing ring. Brought to the outside to the bar, get get su- snap suplexed by kid fight onto like stone clad and flooring. <laughs> Multiple times I thought I just exploded my ribs. Uh, we get squashed basically, we get chucked about to the point where it ended up with um, Boddington being uh, double suplexed onto my brother's face. Uh, during which, because the ceiling was very low that night as well, he took out a few panels in the ceiling. I've still got the footage and it has uh, something to behold. I immediately crawled backstage spewed everywhere. <laughs> I got to the toilet but I spewed everywhere. Uh, that was kind of my, my hard way kind of into wrestling. And then off the back of that, um, Dallas had started doing ICW shows, kind of infrequently at, at the time up in Maryhill. Yeah. Found out that I'd been involved in that. They had kind of seen me on YouTube doing various videos and whatnot. So via uh, Boddington asked me to make a kind of guest appearance at one of the very, very early uh, ICW shows in Maryhill. Um, so I kind of had a gig that night actually, so I opened the show, was meant to do, did a bit of chat, was meant to do a couple of songs, I should have done them the other way around, because I forgot all the words to one of the songs <laughs> that I started with, I'm like, I should have done it the other way around, because in the middle of the second song, uh, Noam Dar and Rob Cage jumped me from behind, and uh, they punted me actually, Randy Orton punted me, so I had to get carried to the back right. and rushed off to this other gig that I was doing, and then... So off the back of that, Dallas said I want to make a kind of regular uh, fixture of these shows and then just gradually from that, I think possibly even the next show after that was in uh, the Apollo 23 nightclub it was called at the yeah. time. And then obviously, as you know, just went from strength to strength and selling out bigger and bigger nightclubs Yeah. Uh, from then. And just I couldn't, I've said it before, but I could, uh, couldn't have anticipated uh, the rap, how rapid the growth was going to be at the time. I mean, it was, I mean, it was busy in the Mary Hill Community Centre, yeah, but very rough around the edges compared to what it became. So just at every juncture, I was constantly nicely surprised by how over it was getting yeah. with kind of Scottish wrestling fans. So yeah. I, it's amazing the uh, incline, sorry, of ICW has over the last few years, and I think I think it's coming back again after maybe after Hydro last year. I think the, the shows that they've done the last week have been outstanding. The oh, square right. goal, and then last week at Shugs as well was 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 amazing. I think it's just going to pick up again. Oh, I, I mean, I think like I watched I think in the run up to Square Goal, there they had they were live streaming the uh, every previous Square Goal, and, yeah. and generally without bias, I watch those matches, and I just think in terms of the way they're put together and. Uh, like story arcs and just the timing of them and stuff like the, the trounce yeah particularly some of the more recent Royal Rumbles mm-hmm. I think like, yeah definitely don't get me wrong the Royal Rumble is still my favourite type of kind of match format but there's been a sense of I don't know maybe 
become a bit bloated in recent years. I don't want to criticise yeah. it too much. I mean, yeah. there's, there's still some great Aye, examples of it, but I just I just think some of the Square Bowl matches I could watch them. I, I, I mean, I did sit and watch that basically for 24 hours yeah. when I was live streaming, uh, and I don't think I wasted a minute doing that. No. <laughs> no. So the, the character of the, the wee man, it's, it's developed quite a lot from the sort of Ned to now, I believe, like an outstanding heel manager that you, you know, the character you've got now. Do you mind telling us just a wee bit of how you've managed to transform it? Yeah, well, I think it was a kind of gradual thing, and um, you know, it was, it was the Ned for quite a while. Possibly, well, I don't want to say possibly too long, but it was definitely reaching a point where it was just like, I feel like I'm repeating the same chat over and over here. I mean, obviously, it's not unheard of to have catchphrases in yeah. wrestling and stuff, but I kind of felt like I was going over the same kind of stuff, and it, it became a bit tiresome for me. So I've been kind of, obviously, wrestling, everyone has to evolve, you have to kind of move with it and stuff. So it was gradually getting to a point where I was just like, I've been dying for ages to just be a nasty piece of work. For some reason, I feel like it suits me better, and it's <laughs> certainly a lot more fun uh, <laughs> in certain respects to just get on the, the audience's tits. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it was a kind of gradual thing, and it like, I think I turned on Joe Hendry initially. Never smashed a bottle of wine. Strange, amazingly, I'd never smashed, smashed a bottle of Buckfast over anyone's head. And it was him that had to bear the brunt of that. Fortunate for him. But that was the kind of that was the kind of key night that he kind of outdid me with his I think with dueling um, music videos. That was his kind of thing at the time. And he outdid me with his. So through bitterness, I smashed uh, a bottle of wine over his head. And because we were kind of playing a kind of tug of war. A kind of friendly tug of war with uh, David Blaze at the time, who yeah. who was he's gonna who was he gonna follow, and then from there. So initially, I wanted to go kind of full one eighty from being this kind of I guess kind of lovable rogue that would try and make the audience laugh. So like initially, I came out and my my, my motivation was to like not tell jokes, not get laughs at all. At first, um, I would just come out and uh, just be very dark and tell people what I thought of them and like how they're losers and how they live vicariously through uh, the wrestlers and stuff uh, and just try to kind of hit some cold hard truths and stuff and just not be you know be entertaining possibly yeah. but in a very kind of just be booed be hated basically yeah was the MO I think like gradually from then like after that me and David plays link back up and stuff and uh, David by that point was also getting booed and I think uh, it kind of gradually became a more, I don't want to say light-hearted, but um, I certainly started getting more laughs and stuff. Not to the point where I was going out and just, there was elements when I was doing it before with the Bucky Boys and stuff. I was almost not quite doing a stand-up routine, but there was definitely going to be elements like jokes in there and stuff. So it became less like doing like stand-up. It was, uh, you know, since then, I guess I've been more absorbed and what pro wrestling should be so it was like in, you know studying and being influenced a lot by Jim Chuck, Paul Heyman Bobby Heenan like Jim Carnett and whatnot. And so the motivation has to be to kind of put over I mean it always was with Bucky Boys as well but um, more and more so to kind of put over who you're with and it kind of like put over the storyline and uh, sell like a show it's all about selling tickets of course Yeah. and you know as a bonus be entertaining and comedic at points with that but still be a villainous yeah person still be kind of booed and get on the audience's tits uh, nonetheless and I think uh, being making the David Blaze at the time as well he kind of certainly fitted that model of being 
especially with the facial expressions and stuff plays can manage it, it can be a comical character but it can also be a very menacing a very yeah. you know intimidating guy nah, you can. I think that's one of my favourite things in wrestling people that, that can be both like like one of the things that frustrates me in pro wrestling in general is when someone's good at comedy or they're naturally funny or whatever and then sometimes they're just immediately oh that's what you do then you're, yeah. you're an undercard an undercard comedy guy and you, you'll never rise above that level and I'm always kind of like well it doesn't have to be like that I mean yeah. take for instance you know The Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin both naturally very funny guys but then go out in the ring and convincingly kick anyone's ass yeah. it's like you can have you can, you can have it both ways so I think there's been certain again not criticise any company like <laughs> that but there's been certain times in the past where I've thought just off the top of my head for example like Brodus Clay yep the size of that guy I mean that's like that's near seven foot monster you know back in the territorial days uh, he would have been treated as such just yeah. this, this is an unstoppable force whereas you know when he came out with his Funkasaurus gimmick I, I thought initially I'm like this is hilarious and entertaining and I thought they were going the right way about it initially where it's like uh, yeah it's funny but then when he gets in the ring and he loses his temper then he smashes people Yeah, and I thought you, possibly you could have kept the momentum in that going like why why not why can you not have a character that's that is funny and entertaining but also as a legitimate threat yeah. to any to any championship so yeah that's always been one of my favorite things aye. in wrestling like for people that can kind of do both yeah i definitely i think you you did that well one of the the funniest things i think i think i've seen that you've done was when casey versus viper and viper's um music uh, our video's got the the snake on the, the, you, you said by the way, that's not that's a cobra. Right. <laughs> I was I was in tears for ages, and then she had to change. Did she not have to change her her background and all that after that? Not because I'm sure she did. Because no, yeah, I had a vexed job that you said that. Where's that cobra? <laughs> but I actually had an effect on production here. That was amazing. Um, uh, yeah. So at this point, I have to be totally honest because he'd be annoyed at me if I didn't point it out. I kind of have to thank Crystal. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it was kind of based on a conversation we were having we were backstage watching Viper come out to the ring and it was him that brought it up he was like that pisses me off that's a cobra <laughs> <laughs> I'm like fucking nice <laughs> <laughs> but I did say I'm like I'm going nah, I'm gonna use that uh, I was like that had kind of been bothering me for a while subconsciously and stuff uh, that was but, amazing yeah. and she, she didn't have any comeback from either she thought ah, fair enough like, yeah. you've got you've got me there yeah. <laughs> there's absolutely no comeback from that um, so, so, so like you mentioned as well, your run with the the Bucky Boys that was brilliant for any you know IC, um, ICW fan back in the day. Can you tell us just a wee bit about that and just you know some of the storylines he's had and things like that? Um, well, yeah. So like when Dallas initially wanted me, uh, want to bring me in as a as a regular character, his idea was that he'd these two guys, David Blaze and Stevie Xavier, um, very young guys at the time. I mean. I'm sure it's alright for me to say now they were just a bit too young to be in a few of the venues we were <laughs> in at that point so they were both great wrestlers um, you know quite new it relatively speaking at the time obviously very young uh, but needed obviously some kind of hook to connect with the audience so Dallas saw an opportunity to be like well we can uh, put them with you and kind of meld the gimmicks a little bit there and uh, it's right for the off uh, I, th- I thought it clicked just right for the first show as, pretty much as soon as I walked in uh, I said to the two of them I was like right so I'm going to do an intro for you and stuff 
who's going to be the kind of hardened criminal and who's going to be the shagger and as soon as I said shagger Dave he's like I'm a shagger <laughs> I was like you know what I kind of had a feeling but it immediately worked that way um, so it kind of went from that and it's like it's, it kind of seems silly at the time it's just like these daft jokey character ideas and stuff but I think I reckon that worked well for them as a tag team totally suited their characters as Davey is the kind of lovable big dafty bit of dirty <laughs> <laughs> Stevie you know smaller guy more like you know very agile but with this definite sense of menace like yeah. you know he's a smaller kind of zippy guy like you just get this impression that he's like you, he could probably still kill you uh, and get away with it and I just I thought, thought it totally worked uh, and almost you know after the first one or two shows like I'll Kind of, uh, well, their ring gear and my kind of entrance gear, to put it that way, um, just started blending as well. And you know, even for the first few photos, I thought that looks that looks like a, a stable. That looks, as I put it across, as they, they look like cousins. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> that is really not that surprising that it clicked with the crowd so much and so quickly as well. Uh, and of course, the theme music was banging. That's still, still brilliant, brilliant to this day. Like, still is. I still miss that theme. Aye, definitely. <laughs> um, it's my voice in it as well. Is it? Yeah. So it's like a very heavily remixed version of a, a tune I did on YouTube called uh, Fleeto. Right. So it's like. Uh, so it's like a sound clip from that so it has mm-hmm. my voice a bit like sped up in a kind of happy hardcore step oh, like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, which I think only realised a wee while after I was like oh that is my voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's class and like, like you're saying mentioning there Stevie Boy what do you make of his rise from you know sort of like a gimmick tag team wrestler up to now world champ again oh I mean it, I, I couldn't be more enthused about it I just thought right for the off I was like even when he was that young he was like a teenager you know I had the kind of privilege of being ringside for all their matches and just kind of observing it and how well they gelled as a tag team like I've always loved that tag team kind of model of the kind of bigger power guy and the kind of slightly smaller kind of zippier the guy like likes a I mean, there's, there's too many to mention. Like LAX were always one that marked yeah. out for in TNA and stuff. Like the, the classic LAX, the you know, yeah, the proper LAX, <laughs> the, the OGs now. Whatever. Yeah. But right for the off, I remember observing like Stevie, even at kind of young age, being a kind of a, like a ring general, and just almost without meaning it, it just kind of controlling the action in the match, possibly even in a subconscious way. Like even if you didn't realise at the time, I kind of observed it. Like this, this guy knows what he's doing yeah you know at the time he's got bigger of course now yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens but um, in a nice way I mean that of course like yeah but at the time obviously he was quite you know thin I, I remember kind of watching him going like this this is a guy like this is just in his blood do you know what I mean he just understands I, I recognise that he's got a mind for this and he knows what he's doing even at this very young age so to kind of watch him progress through that I, I could kind of see it coming for a while that he was going to splinter off and become um, a very adept kind of singles guy and I think he always had that in his head uh, but gradually as the Cooten and Bucket Boys went on for instance like his, his beard started growing out and his hair started getting longer yeah. and the more it went on the more it was just like well he's not a Ned yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's becoming more like that yeah. filthy generation uh, kind of Stevie boy but to kind of watch the, to watch that rise and kind of to watch it so organically as well it's like a guy that totally deserves it do you know what I mean it's like I said he, he started off as this kind of most felt guy and stuff so he's not he's not like that classic guy comes in like massively bulky and so like immediately he's just like oh this is a world title guy he's not not that kind of wrestler at all much more just a guy that um, gradually 
wins everyone over and wins everyone's respect in and out the ring Jay just he's, he's just natural born skill basically yeah. and he's just he's, he's mine for it and it's no um, you know it's no accident that even when Stevie's not in the ring obviously he was out injured for quite a while there he's a kind of guy that people look up to he's a guy that can is kind of a very positive influence on like a whole show or a whole promotion even if he's not personally involved uh, in that match and that, I think that's been the case since he was you know a very young guy I mean I I'd say like Stevie became like a pro wrestling trainer younger than you know I mean? yeah. younger than most most other pro wrestling trainers in the world and there's uh, there's there's a good reason for that like there's a good reason why people respect his uh, opinion and his experience as well and I could see that as well just how dedicated he was even from a very young age like I talked to him but even outside the ICW the shows he'd travel down south to uh, go and do and his dedication to just that amount of travel and that amount of how much punishment he was taking at the time as well I think is an even more kind of punishing and ring like self-punishing kind of in ring style at the time so I was just like I've always just been blown away by by what he can do and the kind of the, the dedication he gives to it so yeah yeah I kind of be happier about being world champion for a second time as well yeah exactly in the match that him and Wolfgang put on and was Sunday was exceptional unbelievable um, oh, just incredible like I was I mean I was kind of in the room and I was up there just on my feet not just because I'm smaller, so I was trying to see all my folks' shoulders, <laughs> but I was just... My girlfriend keeps laughing at me how when I watch wrestling, how, like, childlike and how I, I get where every kind of big move, high spot and stuff, I'll be like, ooh! <laughs> 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 it's one of the reasons I don't think I'm the best at commentary, because I get too into it when I'm on commentary and I forget that I'm being listened to by fans and I'll literally just react like I'm there watching, going, ooh! <laughs> Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> There's so much has to get cut out of because I'm just marking out the whole time. But that as well, um, particularly him and Wolfgang. Wolfgang's another guy that, um, uh, right for the off, I've just been. I'm so, I'm so chuffed for his like ongoing success and stuff because he's he's been another guy that I've observed right from when I get involved in wrestling. I've just like this guy's this guy's the absolute dial like he can do absolutely everything yeah. the size of him and just the agility of him as well it defies physics so he's another guy that I just like, couldn't be happier for how well he's doing and stuff like very well deserved Aye. going back to sort of you and your and your role how do you feel that your you know your comedy work does that help your role as being the wee man yeah I mean certainly initially like I said I was coming in introducing the Bucky boys usually taking the pass out another tag team uh, I think I've ruffled a few feathers <laughs> that way, no doubt. So certainly just having that experience of getting on the mic, yeah, it just gives you an idea of like kind of timing stuff with an audience. And obviously, like a wrestling audience is like slightly different for a stand-up audience. But there's there's like a lot of parallels as well. I think like also doing the wrestling shows for so many years, uh, it certainly helps with everything else as well. It certainly helps any, any other kind of performance, like going on doing stand-up or acting or whatever. I think they kind of go hand in hand, particularly with kind of ICW shows, like we were talking about, just the expansion of the crowd and how rapid it was. So experience of just like walking out, I mean, for instance, like the SECC show yeah. was one of the, the, the first, like Fear and Loathing there was one of the first ones where I was just like, um, I remember going out and there's what, 4,000 yeah. plus people there. Uh, you know, there would have been more people in the hydro the next year, but there was something about the SEC, how close the crowd yeah. were to me when I went out and I was like quite taken aback like I did my wee opening bit of my promo and then I could like you can practically feel 
a couple of thousand people's breath <laughs> like on you. It was, it was quite overwhelming. Yeah, but it was. But experiences like that kind of just, I don't know, give you the confidence to, uh, do you know what I mean? You've been out yeah. in front of four, six odd thousand people, some of the biggest venues in Glasgow. So after that, going up in front of a room of maybe a couple hundred people at like a comedy club or whatever certainly seems a lot less daunting yeah. than it would have been previously. Uh, so I certainly, I certainly think it can help it helps that way it can go two ways though as well it's like you can get quite a come down from that it's like I'm pretty sure after uh, that first hydro show we did there was maybe about six and a half thousand people yeah. there I think I had like a gig probably had like a stand up gig in the back room of a pub till about 12 people in the next night it's the strange world of like show business and just the weird strands of show businesses that I've been involved in it's like it's just king for the day <laughs> asshole the next <laughs> um, one of the things obviously you've got your your famous catchphrase here yeah. 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 how does it how does it feel when you're coming out and all you hear is a crowd doing that for you that must be that must be brilliant that's very very cool it's one of those things that you can't you can, you can never plan stuff like that I think anyone that ever really plans to do a catchphrase I'll say this and then it'll go over can I'm not sure if it works like that it yeah. has to be kind of more organic I mean I'd had experience here previously where I'd said when I was first introducing uh, with Stevie Boy I'd say ha- hailing directly from Jerry McHale's worst fucking nightmares <laughs> so I said that just like that one, this one time as like a wee throwaway gag and then the next time we were out for a match I was just like I'll do that again and when I started to say it the whole crowd chanted the words back at me to the point where I didn't need to finish the sentence. So I remember at that point, I was like, whoa, <laughs> right, that's cool. That didn't really intend that to be a catchphrase, but then it is immediately. So right enough, like I, that, that became one of the kind of things chanted loudly back at me. So then after that, obviously the kind of eh thing was kind of un- unintentional as well. So it kind of came about. So I've kind of always done it backstage anyway, both at ICW and whatever else. I'm doing like stand-up shows, <clears throat> not to get too pretentious, but I'll, but I'll do a week in a vocal warm-up sometimes. Like, I won't, I won't go through the, the, the chords or the do la re, I can't really <laughs> fucking know them. It shows, shows you how musical I really am. Uh, <laughs> but it's always been a way of kind of just clearing my throat. I'm just kind of this <clears> thing <throat> backstage. So I've always kind of done that backstage. Well, I don't know if folk really noticed that I've kind of done it in private. But then, that came about doing it live. I think I was watching back my promo from the first Hydro show when it was me out with David Blaze before the match with Joe Hendry. Yeah. And there was a point in the match when the whole crowd are chanting, shut the fuck up. Uh, so I just start walking around the ring as if I'm straining to hear them going like, ah, 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 but, and was, when I watched the footage back, I was just like, that's my favorite part of the <laughs> promo. I don't know what it is about that, but it just, it just engaged me more than anything. So I think, uh, maybe the next show after, after watching that back, I just went out and did it a couple of times. Actually, I remember it was the it was a square go it was a square go in Newcastle. I didn't even cut a promo, but I walked around ringside just making that noise, and it was very a hot, sweaty, packed room. That it was just to do with the atmosphere as well. It was very excitable. I was jumping about like almost passed out, <laughs> even though I wasn't <laughs> in the ring taking anything. I'm just, just running about ringside and I was more knackered than I've ever been. Um, I started really getting into it and just almost subconsciously just making this noise. And I think after that, one of the next shows, like, like fans started chanting, chanting back at me. Uh, and I think, honestly, it's just logically, it's like a natural 
I don't know if progression is the right word, like a devolution of um, just wrestling chants. Yeah. I mean, for instance, like Austin had what? Yeah. And Daniel Bryan had yes. So I always loved that, just like that, these minimal chants. It's just like reducing a wrestling catchphrase or chant down to its bare bones. Aye, I thought, how can, you, how can you reduce that even further until it's not even a word? <laughs> it's just a noise. Which is tricky anyway because I don't, I still don't know how to spell that noise. No. There's no one can agree on it. So this came up. Uh, previously about releasing t-shirts based on it I'm just like I don't know how to spell it I don't know what it is how can you I don't know how to put it in a t-shirt like yeah it's like who yeah it would have maybe just phlegm on every t-shirt and said that I don't know if do you ever get it when you're walking down the street or anything like that like you say your girlfriend or anything like that does anybody ever hear you I'm sure I have I'm sure I have had it in the past yeah like it's mostly kind of roundabout kind of wrestling shows and stuff you guaranteed wrestling fans there will suddenly be shocked if I'm just kind of minding my own business incognito at the bar or whatever and then all of a sudden it's happened before I've just heard it and it's been close to me and I've turned around there's no one there it's like a horror movie or something like I've, I've, I've created my own curse now or something if I'm walking around the streets though I'm much more likely to either get Hear You or Jilly Wayne's shouted uh, yeah. at me so, <laughs> which I also get shouted at me at wrestling yeah. shows at me so often as well another thing that I noticed when I watch footage back as well like I didn't hear it at the time in the ring but I'll hear one wee guy from the back like Julie Wayne's oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that's brilliant like we mentioned as well you're involved currently in a very successful stable with ICW Women's Champion Casey and the impressive POD with Ashton Smith and oh, Rampage Brown what would you see for the future going ahead for, for those guys with you at the helm Oh, I mean, I genuinely think all of them are just purpose-built for championships. It's yeah. like, one of the things I love about being a manager um, for them, for all of them, is like, I don't talk shite when I'm on the mic. As much as people might think, like, there's, there's stuff that's put on or whatever, or there's fiction in pro wrestling, like, uh, I think if stuff connects, if it's authentic, then I believe what I'm saying. It's like it's like fans will be able to see that if you genuinely believe what you're saying. And like when I say, like Casey, Ashton, and Rampage are all natural born champions that you can build divisions around. Like I'm not lying. It's just yeah. like this is my personal opinion, and I'm I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely. Even if I wasn't a manager, I would be a huge fan of them. Yeah. I'm like so behind all of them. Like I want to see them succeed and get the, those championships because I think they're all just world-class athletes and yeah. do deserve them, absolutely deserve them. Aye. So yeah, like I'm not I'm not saying a word of a lie and I'm genuinely, you know, on the rare occasions that they lose, I'm furious, like I'm gutted. Like there's no, like uh, there's no performance about it. <laughs> like I am, uh, I am invested in that, in, in that, in that stable, absolutely. Aye. Excellent. If you could pick one person from the current ICW roster to bring in your stable, who would you bring in? Oh, that's a good question. From the ICW roster? Yes, the current ICW roster. To bring into that stable? Now, I'm trying to think what the stable's missing, that's a good question, because uh, like every good stable, I think like all of them, like all the existing championship titles in ICW, it's like all of them could win them yeah. and would look good with those titles on them. Of course, Casey has the women's champion right now. Rampage and Ashton have been the tag team champions, but either one of them would I would absolutely suit having the zero G or the world yeah. title around their waists. So it's that way we're like thinking about what's missing for that stable. 
I wonder now, I wonder if given that Ashton, Ashton and Rampage, you know, they're both very agile guys, but they're also both big power guys. I wonder to just kind of round out the stable if you'd want a kind of a smaller, more cruiserweight like addition to it. In which case, let me think, there's definitely a few. So there's definitely, I don't, if it's okay, I don't want to name names. Ah, that's fine. Uh, but even if it's not on the main ICW roster as it stands, it's like I can observe folk who are coming up through GPWA yeah. and stuff like that. And there's definitely some, there's definitely some people that uh, uh, not only have they got the kind of physical skills and stuff, there's some people uh, that I see that I recognise as having just that charisma and that kind of, yeah, just like the persona Aye. down already. Ah, that's the, and that, could, like, that could fit in. That uh, could fit in well. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I could name any. I'm, 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 I might think about that. I might Aye. think about that and come round back round to it. Right, okay. No worries. <laughs> no worries. Currently, we, we had a bit of a chat about this just before we started. The current ICW product. Now, I think it's. I think it's amazing because you've got such a great mixture of talent there. You've got the homegrown talent like you just mentioned in the GPW coming through. Mm. You've got these guys who were there who are now part of NXT UK. And then we've also got some of the main events. We've also got talent from the continent as well coming in. This is a map. This is a fantastic time for British wrestling, oh. in particular ICW. Do you do you agree with that? Do you see any different than that? Oh, I absolutely. I think you need to wait and see. But um, I personally think it's just going to go from strength to strength um, from this point on. Um, in terms of ICW, I think like ICW. You know, obviously WWE, like you're saying, have the NXT UK um, side of things now, and like there's there's some overlap there, there's some crossover, but I, I still reckon ICW. You know, obviously it's still kind of more of an eighteen over eighteens kind of yeah. slanted show, and um, it still fills that kind of possibly kind of gap in the market. I think like, and I think it's it's going to go from strength to strength. Uh, off the back of that, I think yeah. like I think even increasingly WWE, although obviously a PG company, maybe increasingly aware of that. There's like a hunger, there's a uh, for that for that sort of thing. Maybe yeah. a more I don't want to say adult orientated because adult always makes it sound dirty. You just yeah. say adult orientated, <laughs> it's just you immediately think of porn. <laughs> don't, do not mean it like that, or even necessarily like if it's not dirty, but like you know things that ECW were known for, yeah. like just like. Um, being very very foul mouthed and very bloody and stuff. I think I think all things are good and in good measure. All things are all things are good in moderation. I think there's kind of room for everything. Like for instance, I'm not like I don't think any promotion. I wouldn't be a fan of promotion if it was like all hardcore wrestling and yeah. all just bloodbaths and stuff. You just get physically sick of it yeah. after a while. But like wee bits of that every so often, I think can really draw you in. And yeah. But along with you know very t- very technical wrestling and Aye. just like there's there's room for everything and I think ICW kind of caters for a lot of those things but is obviously a wee bit more risky yeah um, than I guess a lot of the more kind of family orientated companies that are that are uh, still going Aye. definitely I totally hundred percent agree with you and in, in ICW you've been involved in some amazing promos what's your any anyone that stands out for you as a favourite. Promos that I've done, you mean? Yeah. A favourite, let me think. Uh, I mean, I do a fondly, I do a fond memories of the Cobra. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one that you mentioned. I'm trying to think back to that. I'm, I'll probably disregard some of the promos I came out with when I was uh, the wee man with the Bucky Boys. Yep. Because some of the things I said at the time, mm, that would get me cancelled immediately <laughs> on Twitter now. You know, at the time, it's just like a wee bit of a joke and like quite a, some topical material yeah. at the time, but uh, I'd rather 
kind of forget <laughs> some of the things that might have seen, seemed a bit more above board a bit funny at the time whereas now I'd look at it and go ooh my toes will kind of inside me but I guess in working in more recent years uh, I particularly enjoyed calling six and a half thousand people a honking bag of dicks at the hydro it was just oh man such a such a relief almost it's just like because I've had a habit of like coming out and starting off with calling people just like quite a quite a kind of wordy quite a long winded thing like oh you you mewling invertebrates or something like that just deliberately kind of this snooty um, condescending tone uh, whereas just calling them a honking bag of dicks <laughs> absolutely makes my day it's just, it's like, that's just the absolute peak that's my, the peak of anything I've done yes being able to call Six and a half thousand people a honking bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's what There's been things when I watch footage back, personal wee victories for me are when I hear when I make Billy corpse on commentary. Because it can be quite rare. Uh, you know, obviously Billy is a comedian himself, yeah. so do you know what I mean? He knows his stuff and as a comedian he's seen and heard it all in terms of comedy, so taking a break. Uh, <laughs> a veteran pro comedian on commentary. I take that as a week in a personal victory. Yeah, definitely. Make um, a fellow professional. Definitely. Yeah. So there's, there's been a few examples of that. I think in the more recent show, the most recent show when I said to introduce like Evil, I said unlock the cat house smoking cage. <laughs> and I heard them on commentary like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. I think though, um, Kind of fairly recently as well, and I did share clips of the video on uh, social media and stuff as a wee tribute. But um, having a wee promo, it was managing Ashton against Lionheart. Yeah. And having a wee promo, I, I was quite chuffed, chuffed as it was, with my promo, you know, introducing Ashton and uh, r- uh, righteously putting him across as a world championship contender. I, I'm kind of proud of, you know, that promo in itself. But then to after that interact with Lionheart and have him interrupt me with the they knock me for ten with a super kick. Yep. And you know, as I said, kind of online and stuff, it might seem odd to uninitiated like non wrestling fans. But personally, that was, was like a genuine honour to have you know to have that week and have that wee moment. Yeah. <laughs> as much as he you know knocked me out at the time and stuff. <laughs> um, that's one of the ones that I've kind of watched back and stuff like we back yeah. I've watched back uh, again and again just because um, you know I was proud proud as it was my kind of input at the time but then obviously la- uh, more recently it's become uh, more poignant almost. yeah of course no. yeah yeah that's so, a yeah. that's a good moment and that, that was a that was a great match as well with oh, mine, huh? oh it's, I mean obviously I'm sparkled at the side there in the chair so I didn't get the <laughs> chance to kind of watch it live but I watched it back and I mean when I say Putting Ashton across as a righteous uh, world championship contender anywhere. Like, I'm, there's not a word of a lie. I'm just yeah. watching him in that match. Going like, I'd like I <clears throat> messaged them. I hadn't seen it at the time. Obviously, a bit. I messaged them. There was a bit when he did a just like a style, like a running, like on the the floor, like a running. Was it a drop kick yeah. right over, right over the guardrail? It, it just, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to rewind it. Yeah, just like, was there CGI? In <laughs> <laughs> How can a human being do that and just? But just the size of him as well. Right. You know, I mean, he's a big boy. That's just amazingly impressive. Yeah, the match. The match was incredible. Yeah. It was. It was. Last question for you. Your um, your favourite match or moment that you've been involved in in ICW over the whole time. Yeah. Uh, favourite favourite match or moment I've been involved in. Well, <clears throat> I have to say, you know, 
full credit to all the homegrown talent and stuff and uh, uh, Scottish, British, European workers and stuff. Privileged to work with them in any respect. But personally speaking, being a lifelong wrestling fan, going out, slagging off the Dudley boys yes. at the Hydro and having Bubba Ray Dudley boot a hole through my chest. <laughs> uh, that's another promo that I, like another segment that I've watched back constantly because yeah. I just, yeah, it was kind of mind blowing at the time and just, yeah, very tough to be involved in that. And those two guys, the Dudley boys, I mean, they, I've always been a fan of tag team wrestling and they, the Dudley boys might be my favourite tag team of all time. That yeah. that combination of Dudley boys, obviously Dudley boys went through various incarnations, but Bubba Ray and Devon, I don't know, I, I was always a big fan of them, ECW, WWF and then TNA later on, Team 3D and stuff, so that, yeah. was, that was quite an honour to interact with them in any respect. And I was particularly proud of the line I came out with that they were blight on the carpentry industry, I think it was. <laughs> which I don't think I've seen the footage that Devon didn't understand what I was saying, yeah. which is maybe for the best. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those, those two guys, to, to, to even meet them and stuff, just being a lifelong fan. Yeah. Um, and in particular, you're talking about promos and riling up the crowd and stuff. I even just watched their promo, I think it was at Heatwave 99 the other day again. I'd seen it before, obviously, a bunch of times, but I rewatched it because it was the 20 year anniversary the other day. And oh my god, what a lesson in being able to rile up a crowd. Yeah. I mean, obviously, coming out with stuff you'd never be able to get away <laughs> with anywhere uh, these days, but just. Just f- like fantastic, almost I think like both of them actually I think underrated in that respect. They were kind of given carte blanche in ECW to just yeah. just be as bad as you want and be be these guys and let your vitriol just spew forth and all this. And I think in that respect they've been kind of possibly underrated. Not kind of not maybe the first guys you think of yeah. in terms of just like amazing promos. Since then, classically, but to, to my money, I just I fucking love. To see Bubba Ray particularly just cutting that nasty promo yeah. on every show he's on um, and then booting the shit out of someone uh, <laughs> quite taken aback meeting them as well just how big these guys are I in know. real life I mean Bubba Ray is shaped like the juggernaut from X-Men he's just he's, his neck is twice the width of my torso it's just unbelievable it's just, it's just weird <laughs> to see him in real life it, I'm always I should know by now, but I'm always taken aback by that. I mean, like Rhino in real life as well. I, I hope he didn't catch me just sitting there staring at his, thra- his thighs. I don't mean that, <laughs> I don't mean that in a creepy way, but just the, the, like, the defy biology. I'm like, what the hell? What the fuck are those? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> you, could, you could flick me to death with your pinky toe. <laughs> Um, a lot of the guys in the podcast think that me and Quacker are the Scottish Dudley boys. <laughs> think about that. I think you could manage us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, <laughs> you need to get uh, Quacker a kind of pair of white CF white, white glasses with the lenses. Then we'll have him sorted. <laughs> Camel gear. Aye. Well, if you're looking for a Spike Dudley, well, yes, you're in there. That's it. Pretty sure I'll wear the same as on the least. I don't think I've got his kind of recklessness. <laughs> That's amazing, thanks very much for that. So, that's all the questions. Last bit I just want to go over with you, Neil, is just a wee quick fire round. Sure. Um, just go over this with you. Now, some of this is for you, and then some it's for the wee man as well. Cool. And here as well. So, first of all, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation now. Rock or Austin? Oh, I mean. Rock. Fuck rock. That's tough though. Uh, singles or tag? <sighs> Again, tag. Tag. POD or the Buckies? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it depends POD POD that, like Jamie and what am I gonna yeah um, favourite venue oh Barras Barras mm, between Barras and SEC mm. I'd say Barras for the history yeah um, favourite event ICW yes or else just in general go for it in general oh I mean square goal yeah as just yeah I love the square goal aye square goal Bucky or Mad Dog yeah Bucky come Bucky. on um, don't insult me and this one for the for the wee man Hanging out of somebody's granny or ripping somebody's jaw? Uh, <laughs> Both preferable. <laughs> you can combine those two pastimes, man. <laughs> uh, ripping your granny's jaw. <laughs> that, that, that's that's better to do them together. Neil, thank you very much. That's, no worries, been, that, that, that's been amazing. Um, just lastly, where can uh, the people find you on social media? Well, social media is on the Twitters. You can find me on at thatweeman. Uh, on Instagram uh, you can find me in the same one at that wee man on Facebook it's at the wee man official I know that seems wanky but there was a couple of imposter pages so I had to make it that and on YouTube I guess as much as I'll use it as an afterthought now is uh, wee man entertainment all one word I think that's it covered into it I don't have a snapchat because fuck that shit <laughs> great thank you very much Neil and okay. guys we'll be back soon with another um, episode that Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat until then cheers ah, listen cunts I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing whatever you think is more important with your life you honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now